everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Doug. (laughs) That's Doug. And uh, Eric's not here today because he's out getting that sweet punani. And uh, I don't know what clinic is. If he he is, then he's going to jail because he's bowling with teenagers. Jesus Christ. Uh, There's an old woman there too, though, right? Well, then he probably is then. There you go. Uh, Clinton will be here whenever he gets here. <clears throat> He's always fashionably late uh, if he decides to show up at all. But it'll be fun if he does. Well, if he doesn't, we won't know about it because he is the world's worst communicator. Uh, we're doing something different today. It's kind of uh, on the spur thing. We're doing the big money match tier list. So most main events, uh, he put it as pay-per-view in the description. It could be a Raw or it could be a SmackDown, as long as it was a big, hyped-up main event. Right. And it's got to be in the main event. So it could be, like, it could even be something from, like, Saturday night's main event back in the day. As long as it was, it was a big thing that everybody wanted to see. Right. So it could be, like, you know, one of the biggest ones back in the day, and it's still actually the most televised, the most watched televised wrestling match is Hogan and Andre from... Right. From 88. So it's it's either main event or a really big money match on a pay-per-view. That's like a co-main or something. Yeah. Or a main event. <clears throat> We're going to go through that. We're going to list them. We got our uh, tiers. We got elite, very good, good, mediocre, meh, and trash. Uh, we got a, a shit ton of matches we can go through. We can. This is a list, obviously, we can build on in the future like we like to do on this show. Uh, so... We can literally go whatever. I don't have a worker of the week, so we can get right into it. Yeah. There's not really much as far as worker of the week. Uh, there has been some news this week that we really don't have to get into. The only thing I'll say is that Vince McMahon actually did a couple of things this week that I actually agree with. Did he? Yeah. Uh, so, he... All right. CM Punk went to visit everybody this past Monday night on Raw because they were in Chicago. Yeah. He goes in, he happened to be on the same flight as some of them because they were all coming back from Florida. He's like, all right, I'll go through. He went and he talked to the Miz because him and Miz had a Twitter beef that they had to squash. Okay. And he wanted to talk to Triple H. So he talked to him for a couple minutes. Triple H said to him, you have to make sure it's okay with Vince that you're here. So somebody, I don't know, like it, it got back to Vince. Vince said he's in AEW. Tony Khan likes to talk shit. If he finds out, or, or he's still under contract to AEW. Tony Khan finds his ears. Tony Khan's going to start bitching at us on Twitter. Just ask him to leave. So the uh, head of secu- WWE security, whose name is Jim Kelly, by the way, not the famous Bills player, but, uh, goes up to him and says, uh, Mr. Mr. Punk, uh, we actually do need you to leave. He was there for like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. He's like, we do need you to leave. It's from Vince. He goes, okay. And uh, Punk, for the first time in his life, did something peacefully and he left. Well, he's a pussy. Yeah. That's what bothered me about CM Punk in AEW. And that's what bothered me about the press conference. Because it's just this little old guy who's never, like... He went to the UFC and he got the fucking shit beat out of him. And it feels like now he thinks he's a tough guy because of that. It's like, no, just because you got fucked up by people that actually knew what they were doing and you look like a, a 
fucking idiot amateur little kid. You look like me out there doing it. Don't fucking act like a tough badass because you're back with the wrestlers now, walking around saying, if anyone's got a fucking problem, bring it up to me. It's like, dude, you're five foot tall. You're old as dirt. You got gray billy goat cum pubes of a beard. Yeah. And you're a fucking idiot. And you got the bags under your eyes. It's just, you're not this tough dude that you pretend to be. That's what bothers me about punk is because punk always, and the reason I loved punk and I loved his promos is because of that era of reality. But now it feels like he's so into himself that that's gone. And he's right. just like playing this tough guy character. So it's good to see him be the little bitch that he is. Right. And, and that's the thing. And Vince, by the way, Vince McMahon did do the right <sighs> thing. He did. Because one. You don't get to go wherever you want. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit who you are or who you think you are. You don't work there. You don't get to go backstage and fucking. I don't, you left not peacefully. Fuck yeah. you. You don't get to just hang out. So he, he did that, and then Monday Night on Raw, there were rewrites again, and a lot of them had to do, uh, like, they were basically rewrites. Uh, he cut a bunch of women's segments. And one of the main things he got cut, and they're pissed. Who cut him? Vince. Vince remotely, even though he was not in Chicago, he was in his office in Stanford. He wrote in, he said, this stuff needs to be cut, and they cut it. One of the things he cut was there was supposed to be a match between Piper Niven and Candice LeRae. Now, is Piper Niven, like... Piper Niven is Dewdrop. Okay, she's the big lady. Yeah. So, and <coughs> so now the the women are pissed off at him, you know, because he, cause he cut a couple of different women's segments or whatever. But... The reason why I agree with this is because if you look at it on paper and if you watch when they had a match a few weeks ago on Raw, it sucked. Yeah. So Vince McMahon probably saw that and it's just like, do we really want to do this again? So, again, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but Vince McMahon, you know, was in the right a couple of times this week. He made a good decision. I, I think he did. Now, there's more shit going on, you know, more legal shit that happened. Uh, he's being accused, well, not even just him, the whole fucking company is accused, being accused by a former female writer of being racist, like showing racism towards the uh, women of color on the show, or, you know, in the company. Yeah. Which makes no sense when you when uh, your champion is of color and has been champion for a year, you know, meaning Bianca Belair. So that's another lawsuit Vince is going to beat. And I, 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 to be honest with you, I think it's I think it's a bullshit. I mean, trust me, I'm usually all for people trying to fuck him over, but it, there's there's no merit and it. I, I do think that at least this week he made some good decisions. Okay. So I will give Vince props for that. Well, there you go. Now I, I mean, there's nothing like... I mean, I could retire now. Well, yeah, I mean, he finally got you on his board. You know, he told the women to fuck off, and he told CM Punk to fuck off. Yeah. That's how you get on your good graces. <laughs> that's the two things you got to do for Dougie to like you. He's like, that's my guy now. Well, not even necessarily. Now, like, if he would have done it to, like, uh, to, to like Bianca or Liv Morgan or something like kidding. that, uh, like, to 
to women that like are to where like they can go in the ring and it would have been like a good match, then that's one thing. I saw Piper Niven and Candice LeRae have a match a few weeks ago that sucked. Yeah. So there's no need to run it back. <clears throat> I understand. All right. You ready to get into this list? Yeah. Where the fuck are you? Let's see if he's in yet. Oh, he is. See money. Oh, sorry. How long have you been waiting? Want... Sorry. I lost track of time. I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, man. Uh, you know what we're doing here, right? Big money match tier list. Pay-per-view main events. Raw main events. Just if people wanted to pay money to see a match, they're eligible for this tier list pretty much. You're not going to see, like, fucking, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Kofi in 2010 or anything. You're going to see main event matches uh, on this list. And then we're going to rate the quality, the hype, however we feel. And that's that's going to go into our rankings. Uh, to start us off, I do want to start with something that's, uh, like, undisputedly good, Right. I think. And I don't know if there's... Any other way to start than the Rock and Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17? Because when I think of big money matches, that's got to be one of the biggest. It, it is because it's one of the biggest feuds, and by the way, it carried an era. It did. Okay? It carried an era, a time period, you know, whatever you want to call it, because... These were the two guys that were two of the biggest stars. And I know people probably say, oh, well, you still had Undertaker, you had Triple H, Sean was technically still there from time to time, you had Mick Foley, all this shit, but it was, it was Rock and Austin. Rock and Austin were the two that you, were, that you wanted to pay money to see. They were. And it was Austin for the majority of the time, but then that year that Austin was hurt, Rock took over. Yeah. And so as far as the two of them having a match at WrestleMania 17, Houston Astrodome, 60, what, 67, 68, 65, whatever, 1,000 people. Yep. And And even though this is the most – and this is the reason it's a big money match because this is known as like the best WrestleMania and then people can argue or whatever. But this is the biggest draw for that WrestleMania. If you're at the time if you're a fan, I can see like, okay, like Triple H and Hunter's gonna be really good. I wanna see that. Or like the fucking triple threat match, it has a lot of potential. But let's be honest, people wanted to see Rock versus Austin. Even though they've seen it in WrestleMania 15, they didn't see it when the two were the fucking icons of the sport. Right. This is fucking McGregor. It could be, this is like Brady versus Peyton. This is the, the two meccas going against each other. And people want to see that. Right. And, and that, that's the thing, too, is that, like, you know, those two guys, um, like I said, they, they carried an era and... When the match got made, like when Rock won the title against Kurt at No Way Out, like you almost started to think like before No Way Out, it was going to be Austin and Angle. Yeah. Kurt Angle was not ready to main event of WrestleMania yet. 
Now, he had been main eventing other pay-per-views and had been doing one hell of a job. Yeah, he had a good title run. Okay, but they were not ready yet for Kurt Angle to be that main eventer. Um, not at WrestleMania. Not, not, at, not at WrestleMania, no. But as far as Rock and Austin goes, it's like, okay, you got to pack 65,000 people in, and you're coming up on an era, you're coming up on a time, too, where WCW's done. ECW's done. WWF's the only game in town. Yeah. So how are you going to keep everybody's interest? You're going to do Rock and Austin at WrestleMania in the yeah. main event. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Now, again, Rock decided he needed to go be a movie star afterwards, and he disappeared for six months, and they had no idea what the fuck to do. Right. But as far as this match goes, like, it can't be anything but elite. No. I I would agree with that. It's Because whether – and we've talked about the finish multiple times, and whether you like it or not, but – the match itself, the hype around it, and, and the ring work on its own, it's an elite match. It just screams WrestleMania main event, and it's probably the, one of the best WrestleMania main events. Yeah. What's your take, Clinton? Yeah, I want to rate it. It's one of the best out there. I mean, it's one of the matches I will pay money over and over and over again to watch again, again, and again. I mean, the build-up was perfect. The storyline, the more that he needs it, the more that he needs to sit down with JR. I mean, you, you can't go out. Well, these are the top two of the best out there. And no matter what kind of how you look at it as, it was going to be a great match, you know what? Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's Elite. Let's move on. And now I'm thinking of something that could be elite, but I don't. it definitely wasn't. But when you think of big money matches, there's a lot of things that come to mind, but one of those is two giant titans going at it pretty much. Two big motherfuckers who are known for being beasts going at it. And that takes us to Great Balls of Fire 2015. Or 2017. 2017? Yeah, 2017. Because I was at Taco Bell. Uh 17,000 in attendance at the American Airlines Center, and our main event is Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. I think a dream match for a lot of people. Yeah. And if you really, if you go back and look at that pay-per-view, uh, first of all, nobody had high hopes for the for the show whatsoever. Except for the main event. Well, not even necessarily that. Well, they did, but they had no hopes for the pay-per-view because you named it Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Like, I was on uh, I was on THT at the time. And the logo looked like a dick. Yeah. Or it looked like balls. Yeah. I was on THT at the time. Uh, the podcast, not the drug. But, uh, or the drug's THT, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I was on drugs. Uh, but I was on THT at the time, and, like, for weeks, Boxman and... Uh, the other guys were just like, oh, great balls of fire. And it's just like, how the fuck are you going to get hyped up for this thing? Like, Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe, yes, should hype people up. I was not a huge Brock Lesnar fan at the time, but I liked Samoa Joe. 
and I was not necessarily looking forward to Brock only working like five minutes with him. Yeah, but it's two beasts going at it in the main event. Yeah. It's the Brock Lesnar of TNA versus the Brock Lesnar of WWE, pretty much. Yeah. It's these two fucking behemoths, you know, meeting in the main event. That's a big money match. Uh, as far as delivery, it's pretty much what you would expect. Uh, I don't think Brock really tried to do Joe any favors or anything. Uh, no, because if you listen to people that are, somehow are able to get close to Brock, Brock doesn't like working with bigger guys. No, that's why he's had better matches with, like, AJ and Finn yeah. and Brian. Because and... he would rather work with the smaller guys. Now, because he can throw them around. Why he, you know, agreed to wrestle Omos at WrestleMania, you know, nobody fucking, well, everybody knows. But, <laughs> uh, like, he likes working with the smaller guys better because he feels like it makes him earn his money more. Because uh, Brock Lesnar, apparently, I still do have a hard time believing it, but Brock Lesnar apparently likes earning his money. Which I find very hard to believe because Brock Lesnar just seems to be like one of those guys that shows up to the building, says, check now or I'll kill you. Yeah. And then as soon as they hand him the check, he'll decide what he wants to do. But apparently Brock would rather work with smaller guys because, you know, they actually make him work for a good match. Yeah, but this had a lot of potential and it didn't really get realized. I'd put it mediocre. Yeah, I would definitely. I would say mediocre. What do you think, Quinter? Yeah, I'll put it in the middle of the packs. I mean, name wise, yes, you look forward to it. Pay per view, no, because well, let's put it this way: whenever this Raw and SmackDown did their own pay per views, we all know SmackDown was better. The only thing saving Raw was the Brock Lesnar effect. Whenever he was the main event. Yeah, you're not wrong. Got to, yeah. And, and this is also a time when the Mojo just finally got called up from the main roster. Everybody's looking forward to that TNA, Samoan Joe versus that The Beast, Brock Lesnar. But we all, in other words, Brock was only, it seems like he's only interested in doing it just five, ten-minute matches, and you know it's going to be out. Not like the old Brock Lesnar we, I wanted to see. From like 2003 or whatnot. I think that Brock Lesnar versus Samoa would have been a great match to when we got a great balls of fire. I agree. All right, now let's go back to 2004, where two best buddies go at it in a Hell in a Cell match. Or no, this is 2003, not 2004. Bad Blood 2003, we have Kevin Nash and Triple H for the World Heavyweight title with Mick Foley as a special guest referee. So 2003 to me was kind of a weird year because obviously everybody knows that that was Triple H's reign of terror. Uh, but it's it's also another year where Clint's statement would probably still be valid of everybody knew SmackDown was better. Right, but because everybody was looking more forward to like 
Kurt versus Brock, or believe it or not, Brock versus Big Show. But Raw had that Triple H effect almost, the evolution. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a famous story at one point. Uh, well, technically it's 2004. And they had Goldberg. Huh? And they had Goldberg. Yeah. You know, 2004, like, Triple H, like, uh, Raw's house show business was horrible. And Vince McMahon said to Pat Patterson, he's like, Pat, I need you to go on the road to the Raw house show, and I need you to find out what the issue is. Why isn't Raw drawing? Why is SmackDown's house is drawing, but Raw's aren't? Yeah. Pat goes on the road for a couple of them. You know, takes a look, says to Vince, he's in the meeting, and uh, Vince asks Pat, he goes, Pat, what did you find out? He goes, you're not going to like the answer. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I know what the problem is. He goes, what is it? He goes, you're not going to like the answer. Well, what, what's the answer, pal? Yeah. He goes, Triple H is the problem. <coughs> Stephanie kind of looks up, because Stephanie was already married to him at the time. Stephanie looks up, and she goes, Excuse me? And Pat goes, yeah, your husband is the problem. People don't want to see him as champion. To be honest with you, people don't want to see him at all. Yeah. That was the end of Pat Patterson having a full-time job at WWE. But, like, even in, like, 2003, it was the issue because, like, the backstage stuff made its way into the shit sheet. When when you hear the the yeah. problem of Triple H, oh, he's not going to put Booker T over. He doesn't like RVD. He doesn't like RVD. He doesn't want to put Booker T over. He's got an issue with WCW people. That's how the narrative starts I, that people don't like Triple H. Yeah, that's how, like, it kind of gets back to, you know, okay, you know, he's a no-good bastard. But, and to me, and I understand, and I understand how people feel about the rate of terror, and I get it. This is one of my favorite eras because I grew up in it. It's when I really started to know what was going on, and I loved wrestling. And I loved all the baby faces that were going up against him. Yeah. So I really wanted to see him get the shipping out of him, and that he wouldn't. And I thought that was good wrestling almost. I, like, I feel like it's kind of like, yes, he probably should have lost the title you know, sooner than Benoit, but the whole Goldberg thing kind of got fucked up. But – if you go back and like watch the, this is a good pay per view, as a whole. We had it on DVD. I like this pay per view. I like Jericho and Goldberg. I like Flair and Michaels. Steiner and Test was actually underrated too, by the way. That was underrated, and the shit was so cold. The Bischoff and the fucking redneck triathlon was hilarious. And so this this show has a lot to offer, just like a lot that this era of Raw has a lot to offer. But people don't really like it because they get turned off by the fact of like they hear about Katie Vick and they hear about the Triple H shit and they yeah. don't want to watch it. But it's actually a really good era, especially if you're a, a Batista or Randy Orton fan, or, because Evolution that's the beginning of those guys. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit on Raw that people don't realize. This is Trish, Interprime, Lita. They're not here, but like. Well, yeah, no, Trish wasn't on the paper, no. 2003 and 2004 Raw had a lot to offer that people don't realize. Right, they had a really good undercard. RVD and K, great tag team. Yeah. Her kid, Rosie. So, like, the thing about this <coughs> here, and I say it a lot, too, Triple H always worked the best when he was with his friends. Uh, and here was this, to be honest with you, Kevin Nash had no business being being good, especially at this point, because... You know, multiple knee surgeries. Yeah. He didn't like the move to begin with. 
but he and I, I don't even necessarily think he was as over as they wanted him to be. But hell, I was cheering for him. I was cheering for him. I believed in him, right. and I wanted him to beat his ass. And I thought they had. I thought they had a really good match. I mean, it's better than the, the Kevin Nash versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley matches from 1995. Exactly. I thought it worked, and I thought it told a good story of these two like dudes that are going at it. Uh, the only thing that really didn't fit was like, why is Mick Foley here? He has no connection to either of them. I mean, Triple H, yeah, but well, retiring him and yeah, him and Kevin Nash, I don't think ever, except for their stuff in TNA. Like if it was Stone Cold or something, I get it. Or if it was The Rock, or I think it was just a way to get uh, to get Nick back into the. What's up, Cletus? Oh, I didn't say anything. Oh, my bad. But, uh, but yeah, I thought I thought the match did its service, and I would put it good. I I would say the same thing just because that it was an entertaining match. Yeah, but also you got to judge it. You can't. You got to put it good. You can't put it very good because as as far as big money matches, this you know this isn't the best drawing pay per view for for WWE. You know this isn't the best right. drawing era. Would you agree with good, Quitter? Yeah, I will agree with good. I mean, right. a story did tell. I mean, to me, I think it was more like Mick Foley seemed out of place of all things. I think he, he could have got past just a normal referee. But the story did its job. You mean he, Kevin Nash was out for revenge after getting so-called Triple H got himself disqualified after getting beat up the last time. I mean, yeah. That's true. Well, because even like the whole setup of Mick being in, I mean, it was Triple H having a fucking uh, a meeting with the referees basically saying, I'm going to pedigree any of you that decide to fucking, that decide to referee this match. Because Earl Hebner went up to Stone Cold Steve Austin and says, Triple H uh, hit me with a sledgehammer last month. I'm not going to do the match. You know, Hell in a Cell is dangerous. And Triple H is just like, well, if there's no referee, there's going to be no match. And they had the Tim White angle a little bit, right or no? Yeah. Uh, Mike Chioda had brought it up, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I I thought it it was a good overall match. Yeah. I'd go back and watch it. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let's go to a different company. Let's go to WCW and their big, which was what was supposed to be their Austin and, and Rock at WrestleMania 17. Let's go to Sting and Hollywood Hogan, Starcade 97. One of the most hyped up matches of all time. And maybe one of the most disappointing. And great, we, great build. And we've talked about the finish. But the match itself before the finish is shitty, too. That's what everybody forgets. Well, a bad match, and and that's the and that's the thing, is that like because you had Hogan who had to have ninety percent of the offense. Yeah, and again, I could say how selfish of a fuck Hogan is, but everybody already knows that because they've seen enough on the asshole. Uh, to where me saying it is not necessarily breaking news. But you have this match that is so hyped up. The build-up was perfect, right? Was it Mr. Perfect? No. Uh, he wrestled DDP. Uh, 
but it, it was it was awesome. And then you have this asshole who realizes how perfect it was, but because he's not going to come out uh, with the title in the end, he had to fuck it up. And then not only that, but also fucking beating up Sting like 90% of the match. It's like he couldn't even let Sting get his offense in. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, Hulk Hogan, like, people have called this one of Hulk Hogan's, like, one of his most selfish acts. And I, I would definitely say it is. This and never, ever putting over Macho Man clean in the in the match. Two things, you know, he's never done that, and then this thing here was stink. I mean, yeah, they did it at Super Brawl, and they got it right, but I also think that's because Bischoff said, don't fuck this up. We fucked it up at Starcade. We're still paying for it. We got to figure something else out here. As far as the Starcade match goes, like, it was one of those one of those things that uh, you have to, uh, like, great build, but it turned out, like, it went over, it went about as well, uh, over about as well as the fart in church. Yeah, and uh, like you said, and it's one of those things where it's like, you don't try to blame one person, but it's kind of hard not to in this situation. Because uh, it seems like Sting just really wanted, I mean, this is Sting's moment, and he didn't really get it, and that sucks. Uh, but it, but the match wasn't good. The Bret Hart effect didn't matter when he came out. It just it felt very much like we were all looking forward to this thing, and it was a letdown. Well, and even the fact too that like they were, I think they were looking at all right. Well, Nick Patrick didn't know the proper finish. Well, if you listen to Nick Patrick and Bischoff tried to pass it off when Patrick even said something, he was like Eric, you told me it was going to be uh, a regular count. Well, I don't remember saying that to you. Well, you did. So, like, when Nick Patrick pretty much just said, I was doing what you told me to do, he goes, I was expecting to get fired because I knew how shitty the match turned out. So I was expecting to get fired, but no, at first you said regular count. So if Bischoff would have, and of course Bischoff is denying the whole fucking thing. And then he had even said, he goes, well, because in the biography, the uh, NWO biography, he said Hogan was being selfish. On that episode of 83 Weeks where Nick Patrick was a guest, he said, oh, because Sting felt like Hogan was going to screw him because Sting had no faith in Hogan. Hogan decided Sting didn't deserve. Basically, what you're saying is because Sting thought Hogan was going to screw him. Hogan decided, okay, I'm going to screw him. Yeah. How about proving people wrong, you fool, man, chew, motherfucking piece of shit? Yeah. And it's just they had this whole story built out for a fucking year, dude. It's not like it's something. So the fact that you build something for a year and then it becomes very, like, rushed in the last second. It just makes no sense. It just felt like a perfect plan, and that there was no plan for the ending. And it's a, it's a true shame. I would put it meh. Yeah, I, it's almost like you know you have the analogy of you uh, you write a horror movie, but you don't know who the killer is. 
Yeah, you never tell him either. Yeah. Like, you, you end the movie with, like, the last person getting killed, but then there's no big reveal. Or, no, someone reveals it, and then the other guy's like, no, it was me. It's like, wait, it was me. And then it's, like, three different guys, and they're like, wait, who's the fucking killer? Yeah. Nobody actually knows. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. Do you have a take on it, Quinn? I would say it was ridiculous. I mean, this is about one time where WCW wasn't really my strong suit. And I think Hogan refusing to do the things to to set other stars up in the company make it even worse. So, yeah, I want to say worse at the worst. Right on paper, but bad, bad turnout. Awful. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, again, it's a shame that, like, it had to come to that. It is. Now, let's go to another WrestleMania main event. This is one you have a controversial take on, and I wanted to make sure to do this while Eric isn't here so he gets punished a little bit. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. Yeah. And the Iron Man. Well, uh... First of all, Eric's already going to get punished enough to begin with because if it's, uh, you know, if somebody takes me up on my offer, he's getting a bowling ball dropped on his foot tonight. But uh, this is not the balls. Yeah. But anyway, as far as that match goes, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels is, is a really good match. Now, in 1992... It wasn't a really good match. Oh, well, when they did it at Survivor Series 92, it wasn't a good match. And Bret Hart shit-talked it because they had worked so much that it just became boring. Okay. Uh, and to be honest with you, I thought it was boring, too. It was like 26 minutes of uh, of just like it was wrestling, but it really wasn't even good wrestling. Survivor Series or this? Survivor Series 92. Okay. This here was 60 minutes of wrestling but boring, again, boring wrestling, because no falls. Yeah. I do think you could go an hour and have a sudden death win by, like, how many times did Rick go in an hour and it was a good match, you know? Yeah. You can go an hour and it's not boring without having a fall if it's just really good. And I think a lot of people try to act like this is that, but it's just not. And it never was. Yeah. And and it's a good – it's two guys that can – I never understood the the perfect chemistry that everybody talked about with these two. The Rockers and the Hart Foundation had great matches, but these two by themselves, I never really saw it that everybody else saw. Shawn Michaels had <coughs> uh, amazing chemistry with three people. Undertaker, Triple H, and who? Undertaker, Triple H, and I'm going to say – Jericho. Okay. Okay. That that's that's my hot take. Like I'm putting Lord help me and uh if anybody's gonna come after me, uh with pitchforks and torches, make sure you go to the Doug Hummer that lives on fifty six fifty five Ellis Road, Orchard Park, New York. Oh. <laughs> uh hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Uh, I'll get a phone call in about 10 minutes if you did. Uh, but uh, I didn't get the zip code, though. Uh, yeah, you're good. But 
like, yes, I am putting Chris Jericho above Bret Hart. Bret Hart had amazing chemistry with three with three people. Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Stone Cold of uh, his brother Owen. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it uh again, controversial take, Kevin Nash. Okay. What about Davy Boy? Alright, so maybe four. Then Rick a little bit, they had good chemistry. Oh, he hated working with Rick. He hated it, but I liked the matches. I thought the matches were good. But that's just like so that that Bret Hart Shawn Michaels chemistry I don't think was there. And it definitely was not there for an hour. But that was also a WrestleMania due to where it was just like you could have ended with Undertaker and, and Diesel yeah. and that match technically saved the show at that point. Because you had a, an opening six man tag where Vader had a separate shoulder. Yokozuna was fucking uh, uh, Yokozuna was fucking huge so he couldn't really work. Jake Roberts is old. Ahmed Johnson is shit. So you had Owen and Davey Boy who pretty much had to carry the entire fucking match. And by the way, they were on the same team, so it wasn't working. Uh, you had a Hollywood backlog brawl, which was entertaining and fun to watch. Uh, so you had that. You had Steve Austin and Savio Vega. Steve Austin was not Steve Austin yet. He wasn't the big star yet. And Savio Vega, as good of a worker as he was, it just the match went too long. On uh, Ultimate Warrior Triple H, you know that was what it was. Undertaker and Diesel saved the show up to that point. But then you had uh, Undertaker, or but then you had the finish of the backlot brawl, which was pretty good. And then you had this match, which on paper, two of the best wrestlers in the world are going to go sixty minutes. Okay, cool. But then you have a match where it's just so boring that you can turn it off, that you can actually technically (coughs) exit the screen, well, go to a different screen if you're on a laptop or phone or whatever, or quit paying attention or mute it or whatever, watch porn, jack off for 20 minutes, turn the match back on, (laughs) and and then realize you didn't miss a fucking thing. Yeah, and by the way, I did do that at the time. Not not at the time because I was only twelve and That's I really didn't say. know. What, I didn't, I didn't really know. He was there at the time. No, I'm talking about I, I watched this for some fucking reason like a year ago. I watched it a year ago too, and uh, just to watch it. And uh, I don't. My opinions are not too off from yours. I I, I agree that it, it is boring, but I do think that the last. <laughs> 20 minutes of the match really pick up and uh, the sudden death portion uh, exclusively pretty much. That's when it really gets fucking good. Even though it's like a minute left in the match. Yeah. But I, I, for what it was, I don't hate it as much as you do. I'd almost put it good, but I would, I'd be willing to go mediocre. I, cause I'm not, I'm not going to put it in garbage or man. 
because that is a disservice to both guys. Yeah, because it wasn't they did their shit, they did their shit well. I just don't I just don't know if the pace was enough to where and those guys have two, it's two of the fastest paces. To me it just it wasn't entertaining enough. It it didn't keep my interest. Clintus, what do you think? See, I'll put in good. I I, I like the match. Was, I mean, if you, I think you guys um, if you do guys overrule me, that's fine. Well, I'm just going my my personal opinion. I mean, I, I enjoyed the match. I mean, do I, do I like it better than the Survivor Series? Mm, I think WrestleMania had more dra- drama, knowing that they went to a 60 minute draw. And then right afterwards, it was like straight to the finish when he restarted the match. It was nice watching him struggle for that last minute in the shot shooter, refusing to give up. Yeah. And this also, and, it, oh, sorry, sorry, Clintus, but for you, Doug, it's not going to have the entertainment factor for you because it's the boyhood dream come true of a person that you don't give a fuck about. Right. So. If you're a Shawn Michaels, like, this is why this is Eric's favorite match. If you're a Shawn Michaels guy, this is almost the definitive match to watch. If you're a really big Shawn Michaels guy, you want to see his fucking moment. Him come down at the zip line, you know, him do the sudden death, the boyhood dream comes true, all that. That is entertaining. And, and, but it just happens to be somebody you're, you don't enjoy as much. But that and that story around the match, I do think helped make it. And it helped make it a big money match, too. Right. And here's the funny thing. Like, you say that about, like, Shawn Michaels. I hate Ric Flair just as much as I'm, I'm not a big Shawn Michaels fan. Or I, I hate Ric Flair more than I dislike Shawn Michaels. And Royal Rumble 92. Now, Royal Rumble 92 is one of my favorite You're Royal right. Rumbles. You're right. Even though yeah. I don't like Ric Flair, but I will admit, but also, too, action packed. Yeah, but you love that Royal Rumble for everybody else. Yeah. When we're talking about that Royal Rumble, you're not talking about with a tear in my eye. And and you're not, you don't give a shit about the stuff with Ric Flair. So that point does still kind of hold a little. I, I, because I'll tell you that my favorite moment of that match is when Roddy Piper's got the IRS by the tie and fucking IRS is up there just fucking hanging, Mm -hmm. technically doing a spot that Flair would do. Yeah. If Flair, you know, wore a shirt and a tie, and IRS went over. I talk more about, because that's the moment I care more about, because I was a Piper guy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, your point does hold to that point, because I talk more about what the other guys in that match did. Yeah. As far as this match here goes, Brett was doing the same thing, even though I, I love Brett. Brett was doing the same thing that Sean was doing. And it wasn't really keeping my interest. Yeah, there was no heel. It's hard with two baby faces sometimes. Yeah. It's only There's only uh, a handful of people that could really pull off a baby face versus baby face match. It can work. It can work. Hogan and Warrior made it work at WrestleMania 6. 100%. Uh, and then, uh, oh, DDP and Goldberg made it work at Halloween Havoc 98. And you can argue until the end, Rock and Austin made it work at 17. So it 
to the end of the I match. Will I will definitely mean. agree with uh, with that point. But going in, like more people obviously liked Austin because it was Texas, but around the world, I'm sure you had your rock guys and your Austin guys. Yeah. And, and you you get that. And that and two baby faces can be fun. I, I'll I'll keep this a good because I think that's where it belongs, and I think it's still kind of shitting on the match because a lot of people would put it in the league. But I think oh, it's there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be one because I actually said that Kevin Nash is a better worker than Shawn Michaels or something along those lines. I must have missed that because I would have slapped you. Well, no, I mean when I said that he had better chemistry with Bret Hart than Shawn Michaels did. Oh uh, yeah, that's a hard one. When Dory Jr. was in uh, WWE, he was Hoss Punk. Mm-hmm. That's weird. You can't just call one of the best his own name. There was a way for Vince to... Terry was still Terry. Yeah. Vince just wanted to uh, trademark everything. But Terry was still Terry. Yeah, I I, it, I can't really explain that. Okay. To be honest with you, like when all that was going on, I think I just came out. Of the womb. Of the closet? Yeah. Uh, no, they didn't lock me in the closet back then. I was only like three weeks old. Okay. Uh, let's go to WrestleMania two, and let's go to the, a big money match. I, most people would think of three when they're thinking of this, but we're gonna do King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan in the steel cage, in the big blue steel cage for the WWF World Title. WrestleMania two. This portion took because they had to do three different fucking arenas. This was in Los Angeles Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Yeah, which by the way, like a lot of people were just like, how the fuck are they? It, it, if you worked, a live, it didn't work. It didn't work if you bought a live ticket. If you no. went to buy a ticket for a wrestling show and you saw four five-minute matches, you would be pissed off. Yeah. And that's what the people at the Nassau Coliseum got to see. Yeah. Chicago, <laughs> in Chicago, like, it was not picking up really for the people in Chicago because you had, like, a two-minute flag match, a two-minute women's title match, but then you had the Battle Royal and then the tag title match, which really picked up. Yeah. And then everybody in L.A. got to see, you know, decent matches. I mean, I still contend that Ricky Steamboat versus Hercules is probably one of the most underrated WrestleMania matches I had ever seen. Hercules? Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as Bundy and Hogan goes... You look at how that got set up. It set, got set up by Bundy just attacking Hogan once. Well, and that's what's funny about this is that King Kong Bundy made a event in the Hall of Fame. Or not a Hall of Fame, a WrestleMania. And I know he was kind of a big deal around this. But that's a guy you never hear about. Yeah. No one ever talks about Bundy. They never put him with the elite big man. They never say anything about him. And I mean, he just looks like you and me combined. Yeah. But uh, he, he fucking... And he, he wasn't the most, like, intimidated-looking guy either. He just looked like a scoop of vanilla ice cream, to be honest with you. So I did a uh, – I've been doing King of the Ring tournaments in Facebook groups lately. And I did a – I did a Golden Era tournament in uh, this group called Retro Wrestling All-Stars. And Bundy made it to the third round. In the first round, he beat uh, – I forgot who it was that he did. Oh, in the first round he beat uh, somebody. I, I can't even remember. I don't. I don't think it was. Or no, in the first round he beat Hercules. 
second round, he beat Sergeant Slaughter, but then in the third round, he lost to the Iron Sheik. But Bundy was, you know, there were people that kind of were Bundy supporters. Yeah. And, you know, fan-wise. But as far as, like, the company goes, it's kind of hard for anybody to really, you know, uh, defend the guy or talk good about the guy when after he left the WWF for the second time in 95, you know, all he talked about was, oh, they're going with all these little guys now. I can poop out all these little guys. I take bigger shits than Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Like, what the hell has been thinking? Big man main event. He he had that attitude. And, like, uh, there are other people that have had that attitude, though. <clears throat> Including Vince himself. Yeah. And it's just like, but, you know, <laughs> Vince has more money than Bundy. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it, as far as, I mean, I personally think, and, you know, King Kong Bundy, rest in peace, is no longer here. Uh I do believe King Kong Bundy does belong in the Hall of Fame. And, but I also think that he is one of those guys that, like, a bad attitude really is what keeps his name from being, or, or is what keeps from people singing his praises. I get it. And it's just because you hear about WrestleMania 1, right? Yeah. And you hear about T and fucking Orndorff and, and Piper and the tag. And, and then you hear about 3 and Andre and the fucking slam heard around the world and all this shit. And they always gloss over 2. And when they talk about 2, they talk about that terrible boxing match between Mr. T and Roddy Piper. Or the Battle Royal. Or the Battle Royal. Two doesn't get talked about much. It only gets talked about in failure, kind of, because of doing the three stadiums and stuff. But they never, ever really talk about the main event. And that kind of, like, shows you what type of a big money match it was, which it wasn't. Yeah. So I would have to put this in trash. Or no, I'd put it in mad, because I've seen the match, and it's a fun golden era cage match. But I, I thought the match was good. And by the way, like, Vince had no idea who to put is in the main event against Hogan at uh, you can tell at WrestleMania two. Like he was starting to think maybe it should be Savage, and he was going to go that route because Savage and Hogan <laughs> were doing uh, were doing uh, Madison Square Garden shots and you know working the houses and stuff. But Bundy went up to because Bundy had heat with Savage, so Bundy went up to Vince and is just like, "If you put Randy Savage in the main event of WrestleMania, your company's going out of business. I'm your main event." And said, "Okay, show me what you got." He didn't show much. Yeah, I liked it with Big John Stud though. Oh, when they were teaming! Oh my God, they were like. That's a lot of beef. Way too much beef. Do you guys have a match you want to put on here? I'll let Clintus go first. You got a big money match that you remember being really excited for, Clintus? Whether it was big good or disappointing. What do you think? Uh, well, I'll put it this way. I, 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 I 
have one, but it was more good I wanted to see, but very disappointing. And that was Halloween Havoc, Hogan Warriors, Hogan and Warrior. Oh, boy. (laughs) This is a big money match. Uh, This was the pitch. The worst of the worst I think I've ever I wanted to it was hyped to think because I'm thinking that well I want to know what WCW will do for WWE pay-per-view uh, view headline main event and see what they can do with it and they ruined it the whole thing I think the one warrior nation it, it was a tra- it was awful the story was there, but just the outcome of the play out was just bad. <laughs> now, didn't you tell me at one time that, like, you actually went back and we were watching, like, the old episodes of Nitro, but that Nitro when Warrior debuted in WCW, like, that was it for you? You weren't watching anymore? Yes. yes I think I watched it all the way up to the Halloween Havoc. <laughs> okay. And that's what so that's that's what I was like. Oh, I think everything was snake bit, snake bit from the beginning because that opening, like that, when Warrior made his debut on that up on that Nitro in August of '98, he went like five ten minutes overtime or whatever, and Bischoff was getting pissed to where like Bischoff actually cornered Hogan in the back and said, "Are you sure about this?" Like, and then. You know, basically, they brought him in. They weren't going to do anything with him. Hogan just wanted his win back. Yeah. And because that's all Hogan wanted, Hogan wasn't going to try to make the guy look good. And Warrior, this wasn't 1990. This wasn't Vince McMahon looking at Hogan and saying, you have to make him look good. Remember when he tried to throw the fire? Yeah. Oh my god, it was fucking awful. But like when you in 1990 when you had Vince McMahon say Hulk, he is our next guy. Make him look good. All right. You have Eric Bischoff here saying uh, Hulk. Uh, you know, oh uh, Hulk. You know, we should make him look good. Oh, that doesn't work for me, brother. Oh, okay, Hulk. That's fine. Just give me your dick. Let me just keep. Uh, let me mm-hmm. just keep hand jabbing you. It's okay, Hulk. You can do whatever you want. But because Vince McMahon pretty much said, Hulk, you have to do this. Yeah. And Hulk really wasn't calling shots. That's what made that match in 1990 work. Uh, But because Bischoff had no fucking balls and could not tell Hogan, you are a no good fucking piece of shit. Don't fuck up anybody else's career. The match wasn't going to work because Bischoff could not miss out on sucking Hulk's dick. And if he would have told Hulk what to do, that would have been one blowjob Eric would not have been able to get. <laughs> uh, I see what you're saying. I think it could also just be chalked up to both guys were old. I like my explanation better. Yeah. It's just not as much, you know, the truth. But it it is it, because it, yes, Bischoff pandered to him, 
But Bischoff can't tell you, put out a shitty match. It's either shitty or it's not. The match sucked. Both guys were old and they couldn't wrestle in the first place. And yeah, just, but the match worked in 1990. Yeah, when there was magic. When you had the most beautiful storytelling known to man and you had this fucking theater, and that's what it was built on characters. No one gave a shit about the gimmicks and fucking the Ultimate Warrior in 1986, bro. No one gave a shit anymore. It wasn't about what it was. It wasn't, the, it wasn't even the same Hulk, the Eat Your Vitamins Hulk. I still think that Hulk could have put on – Hulk put in no effort. I agree, but I don't think he was capable of being good then. And I know, and I know Ultimate Warrior wasn't. Oh, God. <clears throat> I'd put the match in ass or trash or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, like that match. Didn't we do like a worst matches countdown not that long ago when I put that in there? Yes, you did. Yeah, so. So there you go. Huh. Nice pick, Quinn. <laughs> Well, we'll never get a sponsorship from Bischoff's podcast. <laughs> you know, you're the one that shit on Bischoff, right? Not, not Clinton. <laughs> no, I'm saying I know it's me. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to another company now, ECW. Philly's own. And we're going to go to Guilty as Charged 1999, where Taz beat Shane Douglas by submission in the main event for the ECW world title. You have, you have the franchise versus. I know this isn't. They're not. This isn't going to make you know a, a Dougie Christmas party or anything, because it's two people you don't like. Right. But Taz was very over back then, and he was really getting over with the MMA type style that he was doing. And Shane Douglas was the franchise. He was kind of the face of the company. So this is a big money match. Do you, have you seen this one, Clinton? No, I did not see this one. All right, then you got to talk to me, Doug. All right. So, uh, all right. So, this match here, build was about five, six months. Because every chance Taz got, Taz was beating the shit out of Shane Douglas. Like, he dislocated his elbow. He did all this shit to him. Uh, and then they were going to have this match, and I think they knew towards the middle of the year Shane Douglas was going to be on his way out. Because Shane had gotten the opportunity, he had gotten the call to go back to WCW. And he was going to take it. So they go, so they do this match, and they were pretty much, they were going to pass the torch to Taz. Yeah. And Taz had gotten that following from the audience, even though he wasn't really a baby face. He was he was a miserable bastard. But people resonated with that because he could also beat the fucking shit out of you with the suplexes and all that. Now he you know was never really careful. Like the suplexes were kind of dangerous to the point to where like when he got the WWF. He was told he couldn't suplex like that anymore. 
well, it got over for me in ECW. It's like, yeah, but you try to kill people. <laughs> like, you drop Kurt Angle on his head more than twice in a match. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that ain't going to work. And he was just too tidy. Yeah. It just wasn't believable. And, I like, I love Taz. And he, it was believable against the, like, beer swing. Like, him against Sandman makes sense and shit like that. But not Undertaker, <laughs> you know? That, like, Undertaker, like, looks down at him, like, yeah, Undertaker was like, dude, I could poop you. <laughs> exactly. I thought this match was very good, though, and I would put it in very good. I, I would, too, just because, and I kind of want to go back and... Uh, I want to watch this pay-per-view again, for sure. Yeah. Now, I feel like we have to do an AEW match. But right. like you said very good for this? Yeah. Good chicken shit heel and a good badass baby face. All right, what's the AEW match? Uh, this is hard. Uh, there's been so many. Too many, baby. Yeah, uh, they haven't even been around that long. I think we have to go. Uh, I think we gotta go. Chris Jericho versus John Moxley at the first double or nothing. Not John Moxley, uh, Kenny Omega. At the very first one, right? Yeah, for the number one contender shot. Right, where the winner was going to face Hangman? Yes. All right, so like you, hear, you heard about like the, the match that the two of them had at... Uh, at a Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yes. And yeah. Kenny Omega wins that. And then I think, didn't they have another match that Jericho won before this? No. I think this was like the rematch of the <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom. This was the rematch? This was the rematch. Okay. So they had this this first match apparently – which, by the way, not a lot of people said that the match really wasn't that good, but because like of the story, like it, it passed for it passed for being good, even though it was just like you know they thought Jericho was over the hill. He didn't agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because Jericho's in good shape now and good for him. Yeah. But when he first like came out for AW, he looked like a bag of shit. Yeah. He had that belly, man. He was yeah. hurt. And, and, and the thing of it is, too, is that, like, this match, they, uh, AEW was just getting their footing. Like, they were in existence. By the time this match took place, they had existed for, like, two and a half hours. And you had other matches on there that were kind of cool, like, you know, Lucha, Bro, the Lucha Bros versus, uh, Versus the dumb fox. You had <coughs> Cody versus Dustin, which was awesome. Yeah, that was the best. I match. think one of the best tag matches on the show, I think it blew the Lucha Bros and the Fox out of the water, was Best Friends versus uh, Angelico and uh, Jack Evans. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a really good tag match. But both teams suck, but yeah, they were... 
I thought they did good on that night. Yeah. Uh, but, like, they had... Are the best friends still around? Yeah, they're still around. And Helico and Jack Evans are. Fair enough. Uh, but with Jericho and Omega, it was just like, to me, I wasn't really a fan of that match, but also the pay-per-view had been running for, like, four hours. Yeah. I'd put it mediocre. What do you think, Quinn? Yeah, I'll put it in good. Just because of the story. Like, I actually... No, this is actually the, one of the matches I, I, when I heard about it. I actually went back and actually saw the first one. And I enjoyed the first one. <laughs> Even though it was kind of hard listening to it in Japanese and all. So I couldn't find English commentators. It, it was good. So it gave, gave me more reason than one to um, see, see, see it again. This time in like real time and actually get a what? So, yeah, I want to say it's good. But we can borderline it. Yeah, borderline it. So there was one I was thinking of. All right, what do you got? <sighs> Let's go to 2008. Okay. WWE. We were there. Armageddon, 2008. Oh. Jeff Hardy, <coughs> Edge, and Triple H. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I feel like when people think of the big money match, they think of uh, one-on-one. But yeah. this really was one, and it was a great story because it had that underdog role for Jeff. And you never knew if he was going to win the big one. Right, which, by the way, a few years earlier, it was the same thing with uh, with Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20. Yeah. But this was more of a feel-good story because Jeff had been through – Benoit, at that point, like at WrestleMania 20, he, he, he was just the underdog because – uh, you know, of his, he, size. He, of his size and bad booking. Yeah. You know, from WCW. Yes. He was always talking about, like, he was one of the best a- athletes or whatever, but he never got a break because of his size. Yeah. Here, Jeff was the underdog because Jeff was a fuck-up. Yeah. And it's like nobody felt like they could trust him. But how relatable of that is a story? It's a very relatable story. How many of us have felt like that at some point, and that nobody believes in us? Everyone thinks we're going to screw everything up. Plenty of times. And so, like, this story here, and again, Buffalo, New York, we were there. We were. Uh, That place got loud, too, man. Oh, my God. Uh, And, like, the fact is, like, I don't think anybody thought he was going to win. I think I went into it hoping he was going to win, but thinking that uh, Triple H was going to get the belt back. Yeah, because Edge was the champion, right? Yeah. So I was thinking either Edge is going to win or Edge is going to retain or Triple H is going to get the belt back. I didn't think they were going to give it to Jeff. And I feel like Triple H's stuff with Jeff is the stuff that nobody ever talks about because they never want to like give Triple H's due on putting other guys over. Yeah, when, but he did do a lot for Jeff Hardy. He did, time. even though like he didn't really like doing it. Well, I, I, that's what well, Freddie Prince Jr. says he didn't like doing. It. Yeah, but Freddie Prince Jr. wrote for the company for like two weeks. But because like apparently like this period in time where 
Jeff got the title. It was Freddie Prince Jr. that was saying, give him the championship. Like, he is so over. He's the top merch seller in the company. Just give him the title. And Triple H is just like, we don't know how well he's going to do. And we don't know if we can trust him. And it's like, just give it to him for a month. Put the title on him. It's going to be a good moment. Yeah. It's like fucking, you know, they gave Kevin and Sammy the titles at WrestleMania. More than likely, if Saudi Arabia wants those titles defended next month at their Night of Champions special, Sammy and Kevin are losing those tag titles tonight. Yeah, because they don't go over. To the Usos. Now, is that happening tonight? The match is happening tonight. Now, you know, people are afraid that the switch is going to happen. But here's the thing. You book for the moment in time. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. Well, sometimes, yes, it is good to have long-term booking. Well, and that's what WWE has forgotten, right? And, and I guess the, the most – I don't want to argue with Clinton for another 20 minutes. But I guess the most recent example of that is – with Cody and Roman. Yeah. And Cody, it was Cody's time. And they didn't do it. They, they Instead, they stuck to the long-term storytelling. And we'll see what that brings them. But it, it seemed like all the things aligned, right? Right. Just like the, uh, with Jeff here. Right. And that's the thing. is like Kevin and Sammy, you booked for the moment. Now, are they going to retain tonight? We don't know. Now, I'm not planning on watching. I'm probably going to catch some Z's. Yeah. It, instead. But... uh. Like with Jeff here, it was you're not going to book him as a long-term champion. He's not going to take the title to WrestleMania. Get a pop. The yeah. place will pop if he wins. And I feel like they need to do that more because they're so in the long term. And Triple H is really good at that too. But they they can't forget that this that you do have monthly pay-per-views and sometimes you just got to do something big. Yeah. And then this time they just did something big. They bet on the kid. And to me, it had a really good payoff. I know Jeff Hardy's not in anybody's top WWE champion list or anything, but this win, at least, was fucking awesome. Yeah. I put the match at very good. I'm going to do the same thing just because of how the story panned out and the fact that Jeff had to start doing, you know, he had to start wearing all that demonic uh, paint and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, the body paint and the face paint and all that. And, you know, when he first started doing that on that Halloween episode of SmackDown, where he attacked The Undertaker. Or, no, or he wrestled The Undertaker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jim Ross even said when he came out, he goes, Jeff Hardy's looking a little more demonic tonight. Yeah. It gave Jeff new life. It did. Very good. All right. Thanks. Hey. So what do you think, Clinton? See, I'll, I'll put it very, very good. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think just watching Jeff and that big pop, especially the celebration afterwards, made that that night, that pay-per-view worth watching. Yeah. Best match on the card. Yeah. That's what the main event should be, in theory. All right. Now let's give TNA its due. Here we go. Bound for Glory 2009, AJ Styles, my boy, versus Sting for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, this match pretty much, this was uh, 
pretty much booked because AJ was coming off of a, a losing streak, wins the title the month before, cause, and Sting was the one that kind of motivated him. Yeah, and Sting had an opportunity when he was going to win in that match to stop it, but he didn't. Right? Didn't he jump over the top rope instead, or was that somebody else? Like AJ, that was the match. He jumped over the top rope in the match where AJ won the title. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he, he had this chance to stop it there. He could have broke up the pin or whatever it was, but he didn't. And he fucking like he saw what was going on. You saw it, and then he jumped and went after like Matt Morgan or somebody, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, more. Yeah. Yeah. He jumped on top of Matt Morgan. Okay. So they, they kind of had that. He likes AJ. Yeah. Because he could have He could have stopped him for winning the title, but he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Give the kid his moment. Right? Isn't yeah. that how that played yeah. out? Or okay, I, I, I'm slowly remembering it as you're saying it. Yeah, that's how I remember it. But uh, this match, and it only went about 14 minutes, but it was still like a masterclass, and it was two guys, and it babyface versus babyface. Yeah, but it worked. Yeah, and the thing is too is that like with these two guys, because now you're heading into TNA as we knew. It at that time was heading into a different direction because uh, Hogan and his number one suck were getting ready to, you know, run the company. That being Bischoff, yeah, his number his number one blowjob. We're getting ready to run the comp or we're getting ready to come in and take over everything. Mm-hmm. So. TNA, as we knew it at that time, which was going to be the underdog, you know, second promotion where the wrestling could sometimes be better than WWE, you're going to get taken over by these two assholes who, you know, already drove one company into the fucking ground. (laughs) So they're going to come and they're going to fuck up another one. And then they did the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, which was extremely stupid. Like, I can understand, like, what the roster that they had at that time, like, thinking that you might have a shot against, uh, you know, against Vince at the time. Because they had one hell of a talent roster. But then, when you decide, okay, when Hogan's like, all right, brother, this talent roster is going to get better with the Nasty Boys, uh, going to bring Jimmy Hart in, uh, you know, uh, Sean Morley, the former Val Venus, let's get him in. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, Hulk, this sucks. Like, Anderson was a good addition. Anderson was a great addition. Yeah. Okay. It, he worked. And he still had a lot left. Yeah. Hall, Six Pack, the Nasties. Uh, Jimmy Hart, Sean Morley, no. No. Fuck the fuck off. Do you remember this match, Quintus? AJ and Sting? Not too much of it, no. All right. I'm going to put it very good. I'm going to agree with you because it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to disagree that Sting and, you know, AJ didn't have good chemistry. Exactly. 
We have to do one match with this guy. Pick a John Cena match. Big Money John. Big Match John. I feel like this list is born for him. Before we leave, who, who are we doing? What John Cena match? Uh, if it were up to and it's up to you guys too, but I would almost say the match with Umaga at uh, Royal Rumble 07. Ooh. The last man standing match. And not actually a main event, right? Not a main event, but I'll tell you, for a card that was sucking yeah. at that point, it brought it back. It brought it back. And, I mean, the Royal Rumble took it over the top. Yes. But the card sucked. Well, no, the opening tag match was okay. But the card was sucking. This match happened. This match is probably one of the greatest WWE, one of the greatest uh, Royal Rumble WWE title matches, in my opinion. Uh this was the best WWE title match at a Royal Rumble pay-per-view since 2000, since 2000 when it was Triple H and Cactus. Damn. Yeah, I, I, I would put that in elite. I love John Cena and Omaga. Yeah. J- just because, like... Because uh, he was the perfect... Because... John Cena needs, like, a big-time heel to go against if he's not going to get a chicken shit heel like Edge. Right. And Umaga was that perfect guy. What do you think, Clinton? See, I enjoyed it. But I like something. I'll top it better, and I'll go to the JBL. This match with JBL. What a WWE championship at WrestleMania. I think that one would be better than Umaga. See, Umaga's second, I will give... The 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 WWE Championship match when he won his first title against JBL WrestleMania. That like as a one. match, as a match or like a yeah. moment. As a moment. Okay. As a moment, I, I as a moment I will agree with that. As a match, I think the Omega, the Omega match was a lot better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought because yeah. him and JBL didn't go very long. JBL was getting a little old, and it wasn't really. It was a by the. It was a cookie cutter John Cena match. It wasn't yeah. anything to write home about. But the moment I do agree, like that's his first title win. He fucking kind of becomes the guy. I agree. That is a fucking amazing moment. But as far as like the match, if you if we're comparing matches, I think him and Umaga. Yes. Uh, that's just my opinion. But uh. One last match we'll do since we brought up WrestleMania 21. Let's talk about Batista and Triple H in the main event. So this was a match where I didn't, I, I really didn't have high hopes for this. <laughs> but it's crazy that you were such a fucking smart mark. Fucking, I don't like the fucking big guys. And I was like Batista's number one fan when I was a little kid. Yeah. <sighs> but Batista, like, 2005 was Batista's year. Yes. Okay. And you had two guys to pick from because you had two brands. You gave each guy a brand, and then you said, all right, we'll let the fans choose who's going to be the guy. And granted, they picked Cena. So if you want to take that feather out of Batista's cap, go ahead. But he still proved that he was a main eventer. And he, he he was a star of the company, and he yeah. proved it here. And he proved it in the main event against one of his good friends. But still, this match was fucking awesome. 
And this match was a battle of titans. It was a perfect story with Evolution and him leaving the group. It's everything that the Randy leaving should have been. And I, I would go elite to get. I thought this was a very good WrestleMania match. I'll agree with that. What do you think, Clint? If this is going to be our last thing. I'll put it in good. Good. I'll put it in. Um, so it was like, cause I'll put it, I was, the reason I say good is because you, it was always that question mark is, was Triple H uh, put over another person? You never really know, but yet it led to like, I guess, I think the top three series working well with the Um The match at WrestleMania, then the, re- the rematch, and then you end up in the Hell in a Cell. So um, that's the reason why. Yeah, good. All right. Well, that was part one of our big match tier list, big money match. We will be back to do this again at some point. Yeah, oh, definitely. Go ahead and do some plugs, Doug, and then we got to get out of here. All right, make sure you listen to Boxman and Smart, uh, the wrestling outlet, Wednesdays on YouTube. Uh, listen to us, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, every Friday night for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Uh, next week, we are actually going to do a very special episode, as long as Eric doesn't fuck it up again. Uh, we are going to be doing our own fantasy wrestling draft, because that will lead to... In a few weeks after Eric gets back from vacation, it'll lead to us booking our own WrestleManias. Yes. Okay. Uh, Saturdays, you can usually find us uh, for Unscripted Unlimited, usually 7 p.m. Eastern Time. There will be no Unscripted Unlimited tomorrow. I don't know when I'm bringing Unscripted Unlimited back, but it will be coming back at some point. Sunday, the Stabcast. The remake of Wrong Turn this Sunday between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Daniel and Mindy. Uh, Also, check us out two weeks from tomorrow, May the 13th of the year 2023. Uh, (laughs) Daniel and I will be in the Lehigh Valley uh, at the Charles Schrin Convention Center in Palmer County, Pennsylvania. Uh, for the to- Lehigh Valley Toy Comic and Card Show. Uh, oh, Sharon will also be there with us as well. Uh, but we're going to be selling toys, comic books. Uh, if you're a fan of the show and you happen to recognize our voices, if you hear me talk loud enough, uh, come on over and say hi. Uh, you know, if, if you want us to do something, you know, want us to really get attention to ourselves, one of us might not- <coughs> Might have, one of us might end up getting uh, be getting uh, put put in a song, uh, but uh, <laughs> Daniel gets to do it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we got that coming up. So that's two weeks, May thirteenth. All right, and we will see everybody next time, Plymouth. Thank you for coming on as usual, and uh, yeah. yeah, everybody have a good week. Are right, you too? All right. Later. Thank okay.